Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Let's pray for Peter. He's going to come and speak. So, Lord, we thank you for Peter this morning. We thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've put in his heart. And I pray this morning for us, Lord, that as we hear your word, you'll give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us today. We want to be caught up in your word, in your truth. So let it come and penetrate our hearts and our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Absolutely love that hymn we've just um, done. And uh, sometimes um, when I'm cycling around the Peak District, I usually listen to worship music as I'm doing that. And uh, it doesn't matter if I'm going up a really steep hill. If that comes on, I just can't help myself singing, which often astounds people who are walking, who I just go past <laughs> singing at the top of my head. Um, but that's a complete aside. So uh, I want to start this morning uh, where we finished last week, which was uh, with a quote from Revelation 3. And uh, it says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on the throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. And um, I just um, love that picture of the fact that um, we have a place in heaven. That the door has been opened and we can go in and we can eat. It's not just, um, yeah, you can stand on the periphery and watch what's going on. No, come in and have a meal with me. Jesus has invited us fully in. And I want to talk about heaven uh, this morning and, uh, and what, that, what heaven means for us as Christians. The other thing that was said last week was when Rachel was talking, she said, the, uh, the thought of living forever terrifies me. And it can be quite a terrifying thought. If you don't know what is up ahead, if you haven't um, been able to engage um, in what God's promises are, it could be completely terrifying not knowing what's out there in the future and what's there if you're going to be living for eternity. And so I wonder this morning um, what you imagine heaven to be like. When I say the word heaven, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Peace, glory, beauty. So we've got these different kind of words that that help us imagine what heaven uh, might be like. And um, so I I thought, well, if, if you need to know something, you Google it, don't you? So um, I, I went on to Google, and I Googled heaven, and I had a look at the pictures um, to see. So the first picture that comes up right at the top, um, should come up on the screen now, I hope, is this one. It's of a sky with a light in it. And um, I can't say that I'm particularly inspired by this picture. It doesn't excite me at all. It's a little bit boring, if I'm honest. Um, and, and as I scrolled down, I kind of thought, well, there's loads of sky pictures. Maybe I need to be a little bit more specific. So I put worship in heaven, and uh, this is what came up. Um, 
something that just looked like Bethel on a Sunday morning. And, and, and I just thought, if this is what heaven's really like, fluffy clouds and, uh, and a band in, in a mega church, then I think I'm going to be disappointed, quite frankly. And, um, and so I, I think um, we need to have a look a bit further. What does the Bible say heaven is going to really be like, um, not what Google says? So uh, we've been working through Colossians this year, and uh, at the start of this term, um, we're starting with chapter 3. And uh, so I've been uh, given uh, verses 1 and 2 to speak on today. And verses 1 and 2 are all about heaven. So it says in here, Colossians, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not about the things of earth. And um, this verse starts with the since. And uh, if, you, if you're reading the Bible and you get words like since, then it means something that's been said before is actually quite relevant. And so you have to go back into chapter 2 and verse 12, which talks about baptism which is kind of where I said that we would start this morning. So it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So that's the basis. We've, we've been baptized as Christians. We've gone under the water, we've come back up, and we're raised to new life. And that's what happens when we've accepted Christ. We're raised to new life. And so Paul says, since then that's already happened, since that's done, and you are in Christ, set your sight on the reality of heaven, where Christ sits, the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of of earth. Now, when I was growing up, um, there was a phrase that was used quite a lot, which uh, goes, they're so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. And, um, and I think we all understand that phrase, don't we? People who are so fixed on heaven that actually they miss the reality of what God's doing here on earth. They're just in a different place, and, and they're not necessarily very useful. But I don't think Paul agrees when he's writing this verse. Paul's saying, actually, no, stop thinking about the stuff that's going on around you and start to put your vision somewhere else. Think about heaven. So what does the Bible say about heaven? So I've got a few um, little passages that I'm going to read out. The first one comes from Hebrews, the great chapter of faith, Hebrews 11. And uh, it says this about these um, kind of heroes of the faith. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners, nomads here on earth. And obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. 
for he has prepared a city for them. So we're told here, there's all these people, they, they didn't know who Jesus was. These heroes of the faith, we're talking back in the Old Testament. But they understood what God was doing. And they were looking beyond the cities that they came from. They were looking beyond to somewhere different. They were looking to heaven. And they understood that God had something better for them beyond this life. And they understood that not knowing Christ. But they knew who their God was. And they knew that he's a good God who had something exciting for them beyond this life. 1 Corinthians 13. This is the, the wedding passage, isn't it, about love. We, we kind of know this uh, passage really well. And uh, Paul says this. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then... This is when we're in heaven, when we're beyond this life. Then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial, incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Just imagine that. I get confused, I get perplexed. But in heaven, I'm going to understand. I'm going to know what all this is about. I'm going to know who God truly is, for who he is fully. Not this kind of reflection. And Paul is talking about not a mirror like we have a mirror, but a mirror just like a shined bit of metal. It's not like a true reflection at all. And that's, he describes that as, that's what we're seeing now. But we will see as we are fully known. We will understand so much better. And I'm looking forward to that. What did Jesus say about heaven? If we're going to think about, well, what does the Bible say? We need to know what Jesus said. So John 14. This is, I just love this passage every time I read it, and um, it's often read at funerals, so I'm pulling out some big passages today, the ones that are really familiar to us, and uh, Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, and trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. (laughs) If this was not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. We don't, Lord, said Thomas. We've got no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And we know that end bit, but that bit about what it will be like I'm preparing a room for you. In the authorised version, I'm preparing many mansions for you. I don't know what heavenly mansions are going to be like, but I guess they're probably a little bit better than what I imagine in my mind. I don't know what my room in heaven is going to be like, but I'm guessing it's going to be better than my room at home because it's just a poor reflection of what God has got prepared for us. 
And how do we get there? Well, we know the way because it's through Jesus. So I come back to, well, what's your idea of heaven? I'm going to read from Revelation 21, and I don't want you to turn to it. Um, I want you to close your eyes, and it's not going to be on the screen. And I'm just going to read Revelation 21, which is this description of what it's going to be like in heaven when we get there. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone, and I, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now amongst his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God. They will be my children. And then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And so he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain. And he showed me this holy city, Jerusalem, descended out of heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God, and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels. And the name of the twelve tribes of Israel was written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me and and held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its wall. And when he measured it, he found it was square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length, its width and its height were each 1,400 miles. And then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. And the wall was made of jasper. And the city was pure gold, but as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on a foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stone. There was jasper and sapphire, agate and emerald, onyx, carnelian, chrysolite and beryl, topaz, chrysopase, jacinth, and amethyst. The 12 gates were made of pearls. Each gate was made of a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold and as clear as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb, are its temple. And the city has no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all its glory. And its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, for there is no night there, and all the nations 
will bring the glory and honour into the city. What a fantastic picture. I can't imagine all those things. They're just too wonderful, too incredible. But that's just a picture. That's just what John saw in the heavenly place. That was how he was taken to a heavenly place. It's going to be better than that. That's just something, a human kind of construct, to get us excited about what there is. Just a foretaste of heaven. So I want to ask you, what makes you focus on heaven? Because uh, uh, Paul in Colossians there is saying, focus on heaven. Think about it. Focus on it. Engage with it. So what makes you think about that? Is it when you're watching TV? And when you're having a coffee? Maybe. Is it when you're playing games? Maybe it's when you worship. Maybe it is when you're in the great outdoors. Actually, for different ones of us, I think there'll be different places where we engage with God and we start to understand something of who he is. Yesterday morning at 4.30, I woke up. It was very tedious. And uh, my heart was racing. I couldn't work out why. And then I realised it was all the chocolate that I'd eaten at the Charker's house. And uh, I knew I wasn't going to go back to sleep. So I th- in preparation for this morning, I thought, I'm going to just spend a little bit of time contemplating heaven. And uh, this is, I've written it down because I thought I'm not going to be able to do this without writing down what I kind of experienced as I engaged with heaven, a bit like um, John had engaged with heaven. Well, there'd be no tiredness, and so I wouldn't need a bed. I'd be able to walk all day, and I'd be able to swim all night. And, and yet there'd be no night, and there'd be no day. And in my room in the mansion, what would I put in there? Well, I don't need a bed. Actually, I don't really need a wardrobe, because um, I wouldn't have any possessions, and actually I don't have a need for clothes. We'd all be dressed in our beauty, and and so there would be no shame. There'd be no concept of nudity. We'd all be just adorned how God has made us. (laughs) And there'd be no sex, actually, would there? Because we wouldn't need to procreate. But sex is quite nice. (laughs) But actually, the glory of heaven and the joy of heaven is going to be even better than that, isn't it? And, And, you know... Do you remember that day we, we did the day trip to Mercury? Oh, it was amazing. I was like four times the weight. It was really difficult to walk around. And, and, and then what about that year we spent on Pluto? It was actually like 264 years or something it took to do that year. And, and well, what about that year I just spent lying by a waterfall, just listening to the sound of the waterfall? Or the year I spent learning to mix oil paints just to see if I could actually create a picture. But then there's no time in heaven. This artificial construct of time that we have, it's it's not going to be there, is it? And 
you know what, an hour had gone as I was in that place and I needed to go to the loo. I won't need to go to the loo in heaven. Just think of all the time I'll save. And then, then I won't hunger and I won't thirst. We're told there'll be no hunger and no thirst and all of our provisions. I like eating. I really like food. But there's a banquet. And so actually there's still going to be enormously good flavour. And oh, it's going to just be so much better. And there's no pain. And there's no suffering. And the, there's no illness. There's no disease. There's no need for a doctor. And, and I just think, as you focus on things of heaven, where does God take you? What does he, where does he put you? And I think sometimes as we focus on heaven, actually we realize about the hurt we have here on earth. And we're so distracted, aren't we, by the difficult things of life. And uh, we get caught up in the things of life. And our attention's in the wrong place. And when we entertain how glorious heaven is, how beautiful, how amazing, what it will be like to be with God and not be distracted anymore. As we entertain those things, I think our earthly struggles, they pale somewhat, don't they? Because we're taken to a different place. A place where we are fully engaged with God. Where we know him fully as we are fully known. And that excites me. Now as I was uh, cycling around the Peak District listening on Wednesday, I heard a new song that I'd never heard before. And, and we're gonna, it's going to come up as a video in a moment. And um, for some of you it's going to be difficult. Um, and for some of you it might be easier. But there's some words in it. This, um, if you're watching um, on playback later, it's coming off YouTube, and that probably means that Facebook will mute it. Um, they shouldn't do, because we have a license, but they still do. Um, so this song is called Scars in Heaven. Uh, it's by Casting Crowns. And uh, the verse in it goes, uh, The only scars in heaven, they won't belong to me and to you. There'll be no such thing as broken and all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, even as my tears fall down, is that the only scars in heaven will be on the hands that hold you now. And as I say, for some of you, as you listen to this, it's going to be hard. But just listen to it and just think about what is God doing in heaven And where are those people now that you've lost, who are now in heaven, who are already with him, who are not suffering? And where does that put your hurt? Where does it put it in its place? And after we've had the song, we're going to come back to worship so that we can focus in and see what God will say to us, see where he will take us. Thank you.